Okay, church, go ahead and turn your Bible. This is Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. If you're hunter, I'm not used to opening my Bible. Let's, let's have this be day one of you being used to opening your Bibles. If you're a visitor here, we have black hardbound Bibles all around you. And if those are taken, just turn for this person beside you or behind you and just take theirs from their hand. They'll be okay with it. <clears throat> now, I want you to remember the buildup. Remember the 55 chapters, 52 in Jeremiah, the three in Lamentations. Lamentations is the sequel. Jeremiah was the warning, God is coming, repent of your sins. Hear me when I speak about God's commands. Put away your false idols. Follow your Lord, your creator. Lamentations is him looking to the destruction of his people and the warnings coming to reality. Remember all of the backstory from last week? The backstory, the testimony, all of it coming to reality, giving strength to his words today. Look back at what we read and we ended last week in 3.21. Jeremiah says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. All of his mess, all of his struggle, all of his suffering, all of the imprisonment, all of the persecution, all of the mocking, all of the poverty, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope. Where? In him. The Lord is good. Our past, remember last week, church, our past, the ups and the downs are sufferings and tragedies and moments of highs, the good and the bad, that gives strength, maturity, hang on it, and new perspective to today. So how you view God, how you view his church, how you view his commands, how you view life is greatly determined with what God has brought you through to this point of looking through those lens. Do you feel me? Our past gives strength to our presence. Let's look at more of that as we look into God's Word 25 through 36. New verses. I want you to have those highlighters out. There's a few that I'm going to have you highlight. Such wonderful faith building verses. In the first one, highlight 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Doesn't this take new meaning once you know who Jeremiah is? Remember what he said last week? Well, amen. That's why we're here at church. I know the Lord is good. But when you understand who is saying that and what he's gone through, doesn't it take on new life? The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. 
It is good that one shall hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. We're going to reference 28 numerous times, highlight it, underline it, whatever you got to do. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. We're going to come back to it. Let's read it again. Because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There yet may be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach for the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion. Whatever you are going through here, Christian or lost man, whatever you have going on in your life, the struggle, the suffering, Jeremiah says to the people of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar has already come. Daniel's been taken for the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitudes of his mercies, the morning mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due to man before the face of the Most High, last verse, or subservient man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. I love, like Ecclesiastes and Solomon, I love what we see in Lamentations 3, the spiritual space that we see Jeremiah in. This is an older man. He's been in ministry and pastoring for a long time. Remember what we read in Jeremiah last week in 38 where they said, get this man out of here. We don't want to hear his word. We don't want to see his encouragement. We have no desire. If anything, he's causing trouble for our people. Do you remember that last week? And what do we see older in his life, many experiences, and what does Jeremiah say? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Let me, let me ask you, Christian, is a man capable of saying that the, good, the Lord is good for those who wait unless he has waited on him? Like you can't make such comments unless you have gone through that, Right? The Lord is good to those who wait on him. Look at the different perspective in 28. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Do you know what that means? Jeremiah, now older in his life, looking at the destruction, he is out of prison. He's already been mocked. He looks at the people and he says, don't be confused. God has put this on you. Like the storm has come for a reason. I love what we see in Jeremiah later in his life and what I desire wisdom-wise in my own. We see a greater perspective, a greater perspective, a greater lens that he is looking through to see God as creator, a greater wisdom, a greater relationship, hang on it, that was birthed, created, and made in suffering. This wasn't on high. This wasn't a great moment. We see that Jeremiah has gone through a lifetime of struggling, which has brought him to wisdom, which has brought him to perspective. His time of waiting, prison, failure, burden has brought him a new outlook on life. I want you to see it. Look at James. This will be the only time I have you flip. I want you to turn to James. 
What is God doing in my life? Why do I struggle? Why are things not happening at the speed and the rate that I want them to happen? Why did I bury that individual? Why is my marriage weak? Why do my children? What is God doing? Look at James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. I want you to see it. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, we've heard that verse a million times. But here, this is what I want you to hear. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Highlight six. But let him ask in faith with not doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. What is God doing in my life? God has taken you in sanctification. He has taken you from broken ignorant and like a double-edged wave we see him taking you to more like his coming son what we see in lamentations is that jeremiah is suffering and struggling for a greater perspective to whereas jerusalem is struggling and suffering because they're under the hand of god's punishment but either way Both will end with God receiving the glory and for those who put their faith in him with a greater wisdom, perspective, and relationship with God. You hear this? Let's take a second, rewind. Because we're in different spaces. Jeremiah, even though he is a sinner and even though he does fall short of God's grace and mercy and does not deserve heaven and glory, he did not invite suffering right? But he still went through it. So for some of you guys, you're in this space where you feel punishment or you feel pruning from your creator and you go, man, what have I done to deserve this? Jeremiah is suffering and struggling for a greater perspective on who God is for God's purposes. Jerusalem is going through the exact same suffering and struggling, but for different reasons and causes, and that is the punishment of their sin. Both, both will end in the same space. People's good and God's glory. What is God doing in your life? Is your struggling, is your suffering because of the punishment of what sin looks like in your life? Or is God making you more like his son in the pruning, in the gaining of wisdom and perspective to do his work as you grow older in life? What is your time of waiting done in your life? What has God tried to show you in the midst of hardships? I think about my own life. My wife and I, even though God be the glory, have four children and had been blessed with a large family. We went five years not being able to get pregnant. And if you've never talked to someone, some of you guys are like, man, listen, I looked at my wife and we had twins, right? For some of you guys, that is not your story. 
You've gone to doctors and you've taken medicine and you're thousands of dollars in with no children. And and I feel you, I did all of those things. My wife and I get married four and a half years. We go into this waiting game of not being able to have a child, let alone when she finally did get pregnant, we had two miscarriages before we had my oldest. And if you've ever waited in that season, women especially, that is a hard time of waiting. Some of you know this. I've prayed with you. I've spoken to you about this. I remember this one time, three years into this game, we were in Tampa at the, the um, haunted hotel we went to. And we were in Tampa. My wife and I, no kids. We've been going through this about a three years into this. And my wife was a little late. And she knows her body more than I do. And she said, Hunter, the stars feel a little different. I think something's happening. And I said, well, amen, I'm going to follow your hunch. And you guys that have waited, either scaringly so um, or excitingly so, you know this feeling, right? And so she goes, I'm going to go buy a pregnancy test. We're in Tampa, Florida, vacationing it up. This is going to be the ultimate vacation now. She goes into the bathroom. There's, this is before like cell phones and Apple phones, like videotapes. So I had an actual camcorder, right? And so I said, hey, when she comes out of the bathroom, I'm going to have this guy set up videotaping this. She's going to come out, tears in her eyes. We're pregnant, right? I know it's happening. I feel it. This is not scheduled. Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to hold this, and we're going to show it to my great-great-grandchildren, and it's going to be a part of our yearly tradition, and I got it on tape. She comes out with tears, but just not tears of joy. There is no man, I'm pregnant. It is, that is our 15th test with a negative. Fast forward two more years, we get pregnant, miscarriage. Fast forward another six months, pregnant, miscarriage. You ever been in that space? Not fun. But what was God doing in it? In the midst of suffering, in the midst of waiting, in the midst of tragedy, was God doing something in my wife? and myself, and in our family, for him to get the glory and for our good in the long run. Amen, he was. Do you know how many times I've shared that stories with women crying in my office that I feel you, that I've been through that, that God is still good in the midst of this? Do you think God was doing what he did in Jeremiah's life just so he could pour in such a genuine love of the Lord and faith in his book so thousands of years later we could preach his word? Some of you guys have gone through really, really difficult things just so your story is more powerful and God seems bigger. Praise God for the weather. Praise God for the struggle. And for some of you guys, listen, you're under God's punishment. Still praise him. He says what we're going to see in his word, he calls us to repentance, which leads us to forgiveness, which still leads us to perspective, which still leads us to his glory. Hang on it. Sanctification, which is the process and journey of being purified, of our sins becoming more like his son. You and I are saved, but we don't become scholars day one. And so sanctification is making us more like Jesus in this long journey that we call life. Sanctification does not happen simply through deep, deep, rich Bible studies on Sunday morning. It also comes through the way of experiences. 
And God is going to take Jeremiah and Brad Douglas and Anna Kilburn and Wendy Jones and Stoney DeVille, and he is going to take us from our broken, sinful, dirty self, and he is going to drag us handheld all the way through life, and we are going to end this game more like his son. And Jeremiah sits in the midst of a broken people. He has nothing to smile about. And what does my man say? Man, God is good. Who can say such things? Who can have miscarriages and say, man, my Lord is still sovereign and graceful? Who can go through brokenness and bury children and still deal with abuse? Who can go through such things and still see God's goodness? Those who have wisdom and have a different perspective because God has poured it into them. And that is what we see in Jeremiah. That through experiences and a closeness with God, he has been given a new wisdom, a new perspective. We will all go through struggle and we will all go through discipline and we will all go through pruning, all to know him more. For those who put faith in him, We will all go through that journey to know him more. Hey, Wyatt, hey, y'all can come on up, brother. Wyatt, was that you, brother? I told him, I said, we will stop this to have our kids come in. Hey, Josh, go ahead and get them. Y'all come on, you're not bothering us, brother. We're not that that big yet. Y'all can come on in. There we go, amen. I'm gonna start all over. Hey, y'all come on in. These are our kids. Come on in, sit with your folks. I didn't mean stage, but you can come on. You can do that if you want to. Hey, brother. Hey, if you're filled with that type of spirit, come on up. You can finish it out. Look at this. Josh and Amanda said, hey, how did my son do? He's ready to preach. I mean, like, he's an overachiever. Y'all come on in. Come on in. So we will all go through all of those things just to know God more. Third time reading it, go back to 28. Let him sit alone and keep silent in it because God has laid it on him. Think about your life because God has laid it on him. Keep going 37 through 42. Speaking of God's goodness and sovereignty, it says, Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass? When the Lord has not commanded it, it is not for the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Question mark. Why should a living man complain, church, a, a man for the punishment of his sins? Highlight 40, 41, and 42. However, let us search out and examine our ways. This is the call to the Lord's Supper. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Repent and let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and we have rebelled. You have not been pardoned. In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your suffering, Have hope in God's sovereignty that whatever you have been going through, not only is God there, but he has put it on you for your good. 
As crazy as that sounds, you think Jeremiah's in prison going, man, I'm glad I am here, but no, he was doing something great in him, so later in life, he was a new man. Understand Matthew 8. The disciples are new to this. They're following Jesus. They've dropped their nets. They're on the water. Jesus is sleeping, and what starts happening? Man, storm, and, and this is what I want you to see. The sermon on that is always, Man, have faith. Jesus is there. But I want you to hear what is often missing. Not only is Jesus there, he brought the rain. Like he wasn't just surprised by it. He brought it because he wanted the men's faith to grow by seeing him comment. Do you see it? He says, understand I'm doing something good in the midst of, of your struggle. What are we called to today? Have faith in the storm. Praise God for your perspective and always examine, repent, and run towards him. Remember lamentations, which literally means tear-filled eyes to weep. Jeremiah's heart broke, and now he calls his people to break in the same way he calls them to repentance. Write it down if you're a note taker. Deserved punishment, consequences of sin, should always produce repentance and confession. I want you to see it again. I told you to highlight 40 through 42. Man, if you are in a space where you are Jerusalem, you are not Jeremiah, you understand that the hardships that you are going through is what Jacob taught two weeks ago, that God does not smile upon sin that the sin that you've invited to yourself, you are not Jeremiah, you're not just going through perspective and growth, but you've invited hardships to your life. Like if you are in that space, Jeremiah says, let us search out and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not pardoned. We are all sinners We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve God's mercy, son, the cross, and glory. But for some of you, you are under God's punishment and correction of consequences of specific sins that you've divulged in. Do you hear me? And you're like, why is this happening? It's not complicated. God has called you not to just praise his name and perspective growth, but he has called you to repentance. He has called you to the altar. He has called you to the cross. Lay down your sins and run towards me. God is calling us to self, self-examination. Look at 43 to 54. Some beautiful, beautiful verses. says here, you have covered yourself with anger and you've pursued us and you have slain and not pitied. You have covered yourself with a cloud that prayers should not pass through. You have made us an offspring and refused in the midst of the people. All of our enemies have opened their mouths against us and fear and snare have come upon us. Desolation and destruction. Highlight 48 through 51. This is what the altar feels like before forgiveness. Hang on it. 
My eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughters of my people. This is Jeremiah looking upon what sin has done to Jerusalem. My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption. For the Lord from heaven looks down and sees my eyes bring suffering to my soul because of the daughters of my city. My enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me. The waters flowed over my head. And what did Jeremiah say as he sank from last week? I am cut off. Examine your life. This is the reality of what sin does to us. It leaves us lonely and defeated and scared and beaten and empty. What did we read three weeks ago from the point of of Jerusalem? What did they say? All our friends have left us. Prosperity cannot even be remembered. Do you remember those words? This is what the pit of sin does for you. This is what hopelessness looks like. Brokenness feels like. This is the picture of the altar. When someone comes up, my brother Jacob back there, when he stands up and he runs to the altar, it's usually not cartwheels. It's usually tear-filled eyes of, man, I know who I am in the light of God's goodness. I know what I've done. I know who I am. I know what I deserve. What you see in Jeremiah's eyes is, is the defeat and darkness of walking that aisle. It is the picture of repentance in the Lord's Supper. I know my destination. I know my lostness. I know my sin. Help me. Here's the good news of the gospel. If you have toned me out since we started, hang on every word. It's not too late for you to have an open Bible. Find it on your phone. Push people away if you can't hear. Highlight, underline, whatever you got to do for these next four verses. 55 through 58. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. And you have heard my voice. You did not hide your ear from my sighing and from my cry or from my help. You drew near to me on the day I called on you. And you said what? We got more than David in here. What did he say? Do not fear. fear. 55 chapters. Do not divorce yourself from reality. My man has gone through worse than you have. And he goes, man, I know what the pit looks like. I've hit rock bottom just to realize that the rock bottom can fall again. I've hoped for death, right? And he goes, in the midst of my darkness, In the pen of what sin and destruction and suffering looks like, I cried out, and guess what, church? Only one person heard me, and it wasn't my wife, it wasn't my kid, it wasn't my friend, it wasn't my job. It was God. It was the man sleeping downstairs when I had little faith. The Lord heard me, 58. And, O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul And you have redeemed my life. That should stir your affections. For some of you guys here, it is not punishment of your sins as a believer. It's not perspective change. Your issue is you are not born again. 
the problem with your life and the ups and downs is you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. And you have grown up in church and you have heard good stories and you know who Noah is and you know the difference between maybe Noah and Daniel, but you don't know who Jesus is and you don't have a personal relationship with him. And when I say good news, you can't tell me what the good news is versus the bad news. And let me kind of shed light on it. If you are the lost man and you have not cried out to Jesus for help in the midst of your sin, there's only one way out of that pit, and that is the hand of Christ. And that comes from putting your faith and trust in professing his name, understanding who Jesus is, loving him, repenting of your sins, and walking with him. And for some of you, you have never done that. You have walked aisles out of fear of going to hell. News break, that's not salvation. I don't care how many times you've graced that water, all you have is fire insurance. You do not have a relationship with your creator. I don't care if your mom or daddy sprinkled you when you were six years old, that is not salvation. I don't care how many services you have gone to. I don't care who your granddaddy was in the church. All of those things, that is not salvation. Salvation is I know who I am in the light of who he is. I see my sin. I understand destruction and I call out to Jesus and he helps me. That is salvation. And I pray that if you are struggling in the punishment of your sin, if you are having a hard time of grabbing a hold of the perspective which James says he is giving you in wisdom, or if you are lost, you find the altar today and say, God, give me sight, give me hearing, give me life. I pray that today. I've invited punishment. My soul is defeated. I am hopeless. I am weak from the lowest pit. I am at the altar. I am at the cross. And you said to me, do not fear. As we read this and pray. Oh Lord, you have seen how I am wrong. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, at the schemes against me, my lips, the lips of my enemies, and their whispering against all the days of my life. Look at their sitting down and their rising up. I am their taunting song. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them a valid heart from the curse upon them. In your anger, pursue and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. What a word. Oh, I was so blessed as I sat with these kids at camp and I read your word. I was seeing their minds connect dot. I was seeing our young ones starting to piece together, not just making quote unquote good decisions, but seeing who Jesus is. I want our people to know Christ. And so, Lord, I pray today that we got a glimpse of who you are, that you are the only one who not only creates the pits for us to see you, but you create pits so that you can hear us. Some of our people are burdened and struggling and suffering right now, and they are so deep into a dark space that they feel like no one can hear them, Lord. Give them hope. Give them the strength of faith to call out your name. That is the Lord's Supper.
Lord, I know where I am. I see my pit. I feel the darkness. Help me. That is the Lord's Supper. That is the altar. Lord, I pray that as we engage in this this morning, that we remove all pride, all ignorance, all traditions, all the things that people have said to us, but don't ring true. We know that you are not only in the storm, but you created it for your glory and our good. Save, save, save the lost and grow the born again. In your precious name, the church says, amen.